Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Elk Shape Podcast. I'm Dan Staten. This is your blue collar, do-it-yourself, self-guided, public land, elk hunting learning curve resource where we leverage hunting to create more personal development. Our goal is to educate and encourage our listeners to become the best possible version of themselves through hard work, delayed gratification, and being accountable to themselves. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to the Elk Shape Podcast. Me, Dan, the fitness man. Hey, appreciate you guys tuning in. You got a lot of options out there in the world of podcasts, and you chose this one, so thank you. Let's get to it. So we're going to bring on Ben Gorman. The guy is out of Wyoming. Uh, I think he's killed three bulls over 350 the last three years, which is ridiculous, uh, all public land. Uh, he owns Shednecks, uh, Get Western, uh, Hunt Planner. He also is a blue-collar guy, has a blue-collar job working on cell phone towers, uh, he's worked in the oil fields. He's just—he's like the perfect candidate for this podcast. This podcast is dedicated to hard work. This podcast is dedicated to delayed gratification. We utilize elk hunting as a gift, and we make sure that we leverage it so that we do everything else in life better from our faith, our family, our fitness, our finances, and we work hard. And you know what? June is here, and that makes me freak out. There's a lot of work ahead to just balance out everything Got to spend a lot of time with the family, got to make sure all equipment is uh, ready to rock and tested, a lot of e-scouting, a lot of doping the weapon, and just kind of finalizing your elk plans as these last draws come out. So I'm I'm just like you guys, I feel a little bit overwhelmed, but if you can just chip away at it every day, you're going to move the needle, and that's what it's all about. This podcast is brought to you by the Vortex Optics out of Wisconsin. Thank you for your support. They do have a discount code on their apparel. It is elk shape, and it will save you 20% off. So check that out. Kittachek Boots out of Montana. I use the Mountain Guides, and I love them. I have weak ankles. I like a high top. I like to rock gaiters. I like Kittachek's gaiters, believe it or not. 
They're about the easiest things to take on and off. I have about three different pairs I go through, and it seems like I'm always using them. I'm going bear hunting. As this podcast drops, I will be probably just getting back on my last little bear hunt, and uh, I'll let you guys know how that goes. I'll be utilizing Basemap. That's a new partner of ours. They've worked really hard to compete with uh, the other guys out there, and uh, they're putting out some great stuff on their desktop version for e-scouting. I would strongly look into that $29.99 for all 50 states. That'll save you 70 bucks compared to the other guys. And that's 70 bucks that can go into your gas tank so you can do some boots on the ground and inspect what you expect. Thank you to Exo, Matthews, Grim Reaper Broadheads, Phelps Game Calls, Baku E-Bikes, Wilderness Athlete, Sika Gear, Easton Arrows, Tight Spot, Black Gold. We appreciate all your support. Wanted to give a special shout out to Spencer out of Washington for Off Grid Food Co. If you're listening, Spencer, I'm ready for you to start sending me some shipments uh, so I can start stockpiling for the fall. Elk Shape HQ approved macronutrient protein carb fat ratios and delicious. So check those out. We have the new AAE Elk Shape veins on the store. We got pink, we got yellow, we got white. They're the 2.6. Get some, they're on there, and that's why supplies last. So that's what's up. And we have 90 days to freedom. So this is a good time of year to start 90 days. It's about 90 days till September. This would be a perfect program. There's a ton of backpack rucking included in this program with some weights, some sandbags, some dumbbells, strength and conditioning. And then I'll be really pushing the 21 days to elk shape once July rolls around to get everybody stoked on just kind of peaking for elk season and getting ready. And, and the 21 days to elk shape is more of a, um, a conditioning program, but it does integrate shooting under duress and it's very structured so you'll be ready to rock and roll. I'm excited. We're headed to Colorado for Elk Shape Camp. Aaron Snyder's going to be there. The Phil Mendoza, Dirk Durham, Jeff Biden, myself. Then in July, we're going to be going to Wisconsin and Jason Phelps is joining me on that adventure. I'm excited for those last two camps. And when I get done with that, I'll start planning 2021 camps. I want to try to keep it around five. The cities that are on my radar is like Nashville, uh, Seminole, Texas is already inked. The, we got Lancaster, PA on my radar, Boise, Idaho, uh, possibly going back to Fort Worth, Texas. We'll see. And then Reno, Nevada. So we have some things in the works. We'll see how those develop. Wanted to give you guys, while you're listening, just some quick discount codes in case you are stockpiling on gear and save some loot. So Black Ovis, use the discount code ELKSHAPE and save 20% off. Wilderness Athlete ELKSHAPE30 will get you 30% off your first purchase. Climate Sleep Systems, use discount code ELKSHAPE20. Baku E-Bikes, ELKSHAPE400. I am definitely going to be utilizing an e-bike on some of my elk hunts this year, and it's a game changer. Lakewood Products. They make bow cases. Elk Shape 2020 will save you 10%. And Northwest Retention, because people are asking me about the chest holster I use when I'm bear hunting, I keep a Glock 23. I keep my binos over that chest holster. It's uh, Northwest Retention. Check them out. If you use discount code Elk Shape, you will get free shipping and handling. Whew, that's what I got. We're bringing on Ben. We're going to do this podcast right. You guys have the best week ever. Keep working hard towards your goals. And remember, separation is in the preparation. Guys, welcome to Elk Shape Podcast with me, Dan the Fitness Man. Today, we are bringing on a special guest out of Wyoming, an elk assassin. His name is Ben Gorman. He owns Shednecks. He's also a blue-collar elk hunter, which we like and we dig. Ben, welcome to the show. How are you doing, man? Uh, pretty good, Dan. Good to be here. Appreciate you having me on. 
Yeah, dude. What is Shednex? So uh, Shednex, you know, is our kind of our outdoor, I guess what started as an outdoor apparel brand. We launched that back in 2016. Um, honestly, kind of started as a joke between a buddy of I just making some decals for our trucks. You know, the the Wyoming pride, if anybody has been in Wyoming and seen every single building, every single truck, every single thing in Wyoming has the Wyoming bucking horse on it. You know, it's the University of Wyoming logo, then also kind of the symbol of the state. And we kind of figured, man, there's so many outdoorsmen. They're so proud of what they do. And with the state, we were going to combine the two. So that Wyoming bucking horse logo has a cowboy hat in his hand. And we replaced that with a big gnarly elk antler that had a cool Wyoming story behind that bull actually. And, and kind of started making some hats and decals and apparel and back in 16. And that got really popular. Uh, we kind of didn't really know what we were doing marketing wise, but you know, targeted it to the right audience and just kind of leveraged on, you know, our passion for shed hunting, but we're also, you know, pretty hardcore outdoorsmen and hunters. And, um, you know, it just grew from there to where we're picking up, you know, some outdoor apparel and, and some actual gear and just keep growing the store and growing the movement. And we kind of wanted to do something a little bit different and, you know, not something so much to make money, but also, you know, use some of the, the funds and stuff that we were using to give back to some nonprofit organizations, some conservation stuff, some public land, you know, awareness. And, and, you know, we didn't have enough money to do that just out of our pockets. So help people out and, and, uh, yeah, it has really worked out well. Just the amount of awesome people that we've met in this industry through that's been been mind blowing. So it's been a wild ride. Yeah, you guys are you guys are kicking some butt on that program. I mean, uh, who's all who's all involved with Shednecks? Uh, so Shednecks started out, you know, me and a buddy back in sixteen. Um, he had to bow out for some personal reasons soon afterwards, and and picked up a a good friend of mine, uh, Pete Autumn, as the co owner. Um, but, you know, it's kind of a lot bigger group than that. We kind of recognized that we wanted to have a lot of ambassadors that we, uh, you know, both respected and some personal friends of ours, some guys not just in Wyoming, but kind of throughout the Western hunting community that represented themselves, you know, professionally and represented what we wanted to preach about the sport. And, you know, we start out with, uh, you know, 15, 16 ambassadors. Actually, I you know, kind of made a list of people that I knew that I wanted to kind of represent our brand. And I didn't know how many of them would say yes. So I planned on probably only having five or six to start out with. And surprisingly, everybody said yes. So <laughs> we kind of hit the hit the ground running. But yeah, I got some, you know, some really hard hitting hunters that kind of, you know, some guys are more shed hunters. Some guys are, are uh, <clears throat> more into elk hunting. Some guys are more into deer hunting. Some guys are, you know, even into fly fishing, some guy, we just got a good mix of a lot of people that, that not so much focused on how good they are at what they do, but also have a great attitude. So, yeah, just a band of brothers and we all leverage off each other and help each other and share information. And, and it's, it's been great, man. So y'all, y'all make just apparel. It's an apparel company. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's branched into a few other things from there. We started making hats, shirts, decals, drinkware, you know, all the good stuff. And, and then, you know, kind of leaped on some opportunities to pick up some some outdoor and backpacking apparel you know my my vision was to try to you know start picking up you know everything that I use you know in my pack personally and, mm-hmm. and a lot of our guys use and and make it all available on the site and so you know we became the 
the first uh, marsupial bino harness dealer on the internet. Oh, really? Yeah. So that was just happened into that. I had, you know, several different bino harnesses that I didn't care for too much and swapped over to marsupial and, you know, got to know Jim and his brand and, and saw them as up and comers. And I was like, man, we got to pick these up. So, you know, we probably move more bino harnesses than anybody else on the web. And we were the first ones to do it. So, and that's been great taking those to the shows and everything. And, you know, now we're a Phelps dealer, you know, Mountain Smith, Mountain House, um, Field Optics Research with the eye cups and, and Havilon knives. We sell Scott releases, you know, spider archery stabilizers, all sorts of stuff on there. But the list kind of goes on as we're able to pick up more and more stuff. And, you know, that allows us to give something back to our ambassadors to, you know, let those guys pick up some mounting gear, Alaska game bags, all sorts of stuff, and let those guys pick stuff up at a discount and in return for what they do for us. So Yeah, that makes sense. So are you carrying inventory? Are you drop shipping? What's your model there? Because I hate carrying inventory. <laughs> we probably should be drop shipping, but uh, we're carrying everything. So we run pretty lean on it. But for right now, we've we've got everything actually in stock. And, you know, I've got, you know, people all the time and, you know, get into like the antler buying stuff too. But I got people coming all to the house over all the time that, you know, want to pick up apparel and pick up hunting gear, want to pick up bino harness, or they want a bugle tube, or or whatever, and and we give discounts to people for selling us antlers too through the antler buying stuff. So it all works out to to have it there at home and and make sure that we can ship stuff really fast and and get people their products in a timely fashion. So that's legit, dude. So you're also an antler buyer. You have another business I'm going to ask you about, but I guess we better back up. So I, you grew up in Wyoming. Yep. Wyoming native, I'm very jealous of your hunting opportunities, but I am not jealous of your winters and your wind. It's bad. It's bad. But uh, tell us a little bit about you, dude. Are you married? Do you have kids? Uh, what do you do for work? All that, all that jazz. Yeah. So you kind of hit on the high points. You know, born and raised in Wyoming. I'm currently in Casper, um, in central Wyoming, kind of in the high desert country, which is kind of my favorite place that I've I've uh, gotten to learn. You know, very well. 37 years old, no wife, no kids. I uh, got an awesome girlfriend. She lives in Cheyenne, so kind of run back and forth and spend as much time as I can with her. But, uh, but yeah, still, uh, still semi-single if you want to call it that. But, <laughs> but yeah, I've, I've just uh, you know been so passionate about the stuff that I've done in life and always stayed so busy. And and uh, you know everybody's got their different priorities. So you know the wife, the wife and kids thing hasn't happened yet. But, but uh, yeah, just kept going and with the shed next thing. And, you know, that became a, a cool opportunity. I was working in the oil field at the time, um, you know, got out of college with an engineering degree, starting with the oil field, you know, saw that as a great opportunity to make some money, you know, start setting myself up to do, you know, more hunting and get the gear I needed and what, whatnot. And was really just running myself into the ground, man, just got to be where I hated going to work every day and was burnt out and, you know, didn't have enough time. And, you know, you hit the nail on the head with the Wyoming weather, man. It's it's so crappy so often, and you know the chances of that weather being good on a on a weekend when you're working a regular schedule and stuff, and uh, you know your plans often get soiled and you end up stuck in the house while it's snowing and blowing and raining or whatnot. But yeah, I broke out of the oil field a couple of years ago, and and uh, you know looked for something different to do, and and started doing. Uh, you know, more on the shed next stuff and we get our hunt planner thing going on and, and I'm back to working full time 
um, you know, with a company that allows me, you know, enough time to do what I still want to do. So working as a tower climber for Union Telephone Company right now, and that gives me the ability to to just be out in some really awesome country. You know, our cell towers are up on top of, uh, you know, the highest point on every mountain pretty much in Wyoming. And they're a Wyoming-based company, so it gives me some leverage to go out and, you know, after work, enjoy the time and do some scouting while I'm driving around. And it's a good fit, man. Uh, that makes a lot of sense for a guy like you who's a shed hunting fool and an elk hunting fool and all that good stuff. Um, you know, with a side hustle like Shednecks and your other one, what you're going to get into, do you, do you see yourself going full time on your hustle, kind of like like I did with Elk Shape? Like I did it, which I still don't know how I did it, and ran my gym until I sold the gym and I was like doing Elk Shape full time, and I just was like, how the heck did I do both? It was insane. But I'm super happy doing just my side hustle now. Do you see yourself wanting to do that, or do you kind of like where you're at? Um, gosh, a tough question, man. You know, obviously you know, doing what you love every single day and working for yourself is, is the dream. And I've been able to, uh, balance kind of, you know, working, working in between hunting seasons and stuff and, and, uh, taking some extra time off and I've been able to keep it going, but, you know, I would like to continue to grow this. And I think that we have the customer base and the, the following to do it just kind of, unfortunately, right at the precipice where we're trying to make some really big movements in the business, this coronavirus stuff kind of kicked everybody in the, in the crotch and and so you know back to work it is for now and just making sure that we set ourselves up good personally you know financially before we we actually you know make that move whether that's this year next year years down the road but we're just having too much fun with it and and not uh not so focused on just turning a profit and you know we're still to the point that you know everything that we make um you know all of our apparel all of our hats, shirts, everything that we have is, is printed and stitched, you know, right there in Casper, Wyoming too. Mm, I like that. Yeah. It's, it's hard to really turn a huge profit and, and, uh, you know, really, uh, really make huge margins if, you know, without outsourcing stuff overseas and all that stuff, but we still keep everything local and, and it's, it's kind of, if it's not broke, don't, don't uh, fix it just yet. But yeah, that's the dream, man. And, you know, we've got such great feedback from everybody and, unbelievable support i think when we want to pull that trigger we can do it with the right marketing so oh marketing yeah that thing um so that's pretty cool that you have a good business partner did you buy a house in wyoming are you a homeowner kind of all part of my huge life change i went through in the past few years you know i I bought a house here you know incurred a bunch of debt you know was working a crazy hours in the oil field having to make you know making pretty good money there but but both but went into a mortgage so mm-hmm. you know a little over a year ago sold my house sold half of the crap i didn't need and i figured i would only have to work half as much and have to deal with half as much stress if i had half the expenses so kind of cut everything down and, and i've been a lot happier since so currently rent, renting <laughs> but uh but yeah, man, I'm never home anyway, so it doesn't justify me having a big fancy house. I don't know why I ever did that in the first place. <laughs> you know what, bro? There's something to it. I mean, there's a lot of millionaires, billionaires with a B out there that they think houses are for banks. They're for banks to make money off. You know, they set these loans up to where 15 or 30 years more common and they get all their interest up front. You end up paying at least double the house 
if you stay with the life of the loan and nobody does, they end up selling and nobody ever sells and goes to a smaller house. They always go to the next thing, to the next thing. And everybody's house poor. You know, I thought we were going to be house poor when we moved because my wife and I have moved into three houses. Well, we got married and she moved in with me and my house. Then we had one on the way. So we went to built a house. And then we had one on the way, had it, and we moved again. I don't want to move anymore unless it's to Idaho. I live really close to Idaho, and I love the politics there, and I hate my property tax. I hate my sales tax, and I wouldn't even – I think it would almost be a wash with – Idaho's got income tax. Do you guys have income tax? Uh, Yep. Yep, sure do. Yeah, I think there's only a few states that don't. Washington, Texas, and Florida, I know off the top of my head. But anyways – the politics, my state's ran by Seattle and all those people over there. And believe it or not, Ben, over here in eastern Washington, I have a little bit of a different philosophy than most of those guys over there. So it's just a, I don't know, we'll see. But my point is, it's just like Alicia and I really are, almost my wife, we're really trying to figure out if we should pay this house off. We've kind of been on a war path to try to do that. It's not easy when she works supplemental and I work for myself always have and we just uh it's just it's tricky but that's kind of our goal and I still advertise it on the podcast because uh my goal is kind of by the time I'm 40 which is about a year out so uh better keep hustling you know it's not that bad when you don't have a bunch of other debt so I don't have any debt I've already paid my uh we have a house in Idaho with my dad that we bought and paid that off just recently, and that took 12 years. That wasn't overnight. Well, all those, that mortgage money now goes towards this mortgage. And then, um, you know, we don't have truck payments and we have lots of toys. And they're, we just, once you start paying in full and you don't ever take out cre- credit cards or loans or anything, you'd be surprised how much money you have to put towards your debt. Yeah, that's right, man. I mean, just, just trying to do anything to keep from being a slave to the machine and, if you need to make a life change, being financially set up to where you can do that, you know, if you need to not work for a while to chase your goals, then you don't want to be broken. You know, not only just the the financial suck of a of a home and all the rest of the debt, but just the time and energy suck of, of keeping track of everything. I, I would just look at it as that's that many less days that I could be out, less hours that I could be out doing my thing, you know. So, yeah, it's been a good move. So what's the word on, on time off for this fall? And the new employer. What's the word on what? On paid time off for hunting season with the new with the new gig. Well, I'm I'm only about three weeks into this new gig, four weeks in, and so it's it's been great so far. Um, but yeah, I think I'll finally found something that I can stick with. These guys have been awesome. Um, you know, probably changing my hunting strategy, you know, a little bit more this year. But you know, these guys are giving me some three-day weekends and some block schedule stuff that I'm able to to do it and and I think it'll it'll work out so like a couple of years ago I drew you know the best elk tag I've ever had in my life and and I I basically pulled the plug on everything and put everything into that and you know, it was a dream come true it was awesome to put a, a whole you know potentially a whole month of September had I needed it into that or the whole month of August and scouting and everything but you know then the I still had my house and was paying on that and sucked your finances dry and was lucky enough to have some stock market money to leverage on and 
and you know people see what we're what i'm doing and see the amount of time that i've been able to take off from work the past few years to chase some hunts and stuff and they think that man these guys must be selling a shitload of hats but <laughs> it's not it's a lot more than that it's planning you know years and years you know in the back backstory to actually make that happen so got to pay the bills and, and got to pay the piper and and uh yeah i think i think it'll work out man all things you know kind of depending on what tags and i just keep having these you know some crazy tags come my way the last few years and had to make some serious life changes to uh to put my best foot forward on those but i haven't drawn crap yet this year so it looks like i won't have too too much of a problem working a little bit more <laughs> well for those that don't know, Ben killed a slob of a Wyoming bull last year with his bow. I mean, just the coolest. Like, you hear about the fire bull so much that you want to throw up, and I got no hate for Hush. I think I like their positive message, but your bull's cooler than the fire bull, uh, in my opinion. It's really, really unique, very bladed, very heavy. Um, and I've never seen it in person. I've just stared and drooled at the pictures. Was that a general tag? Uh, nope, that was a that was a limited quota tag, and you know the past. I've been really fortunate the past three years to kill three really good bulls, and they were all on limited quota units. But, but, uh, but yeah, man. Somehow in the past three years, you know, all three went over 350. But you know what's cooler to me is that I think each bull, roughly aging them, and you know looking at the teeth and everything, I think all three of those bulls were were pushing over 10 years old. So I think. Uh, you know, the one from last year was just a gnarly old dinosaur, not a super high-scoring bull. He had some, he actually had an injury to his, his back hip. We pulled a broad or a crossbow bolt from the previous season out of his rear hip. Seriously, yeah. And so he had one antler that was, you know, obviously regressed. Everything was a lot shorter on that side. And, and uh, gosh, I scouted my butt off last year to make sure I wouldn't, you know, we were trying to locate an elk that I wouldn't have to make a snap decision on the timber, in the timber, and, turns out that's end up what I had to do. I just saw those blades coming through the timber and he came out with a, with a, you know, five or six foot pine tree laid across his thirds and he ripped it out of the ground. He came out just going absolutely nuts. And I saw those blades on the back and I said, yep, <laughs> knocked an arrow and sent it, man. So it was, it was no question, uh, boy, just super, super heavy. You know, he's got, um, just an absolute ton of mass, kind of short beamed, really heavy, but he's older than the freaking hills. So very very cool i don't know man that's pretty cool and, and one of your good buddies is uh quite the elk killer i'm gonna have to get him on here kyle uh how did you guys meet and that's what is it ostrand yeah kyle ostrand so yeah we've actually done a couple of shared podcasts together and stuff just a super good friend of mine one of my best friends out there what an amazing dude and, and you know if if i had to attribute my elk hunting success to to one one person that I've hunted with and stuff, it's definitely him. I've had a couple other buddies that really pushed me to get into it harder and get away from my my mule deer, you know, addiction. But but Kyle taught me a bunch and, and got me to be a lot better. And and just the years shared with, with him in the hills on some really frustrating elk hunts and learning some new stuff. He he taught me a lot and really pushed it to the next level. So yeah, Kyle's a heck of a dude. Used to be an outfitter and a guide and in uh, Colorado a handful of years ago and then he started working the oil field while I was working in the oil field met him in Wilson North Dakota um, he was a hot shot for those of you guys who aren't familiar with the oil field it's you know basically running trucks haul tools so when I worked at uh, Baker Hughes and operations up in Williston for a couple of years 
Kyle came into our shop and was hustling up business and, and is very, very good at doing that. And just a great dude. And we started talking about hunting and it was kind of like two dogs. You got to turn the hose on, man. We were just like, Oh man, you like to elk hunt? Oh yeah. So, <laughs> so, so do I <laughs> realize I really, really liked elk hunt. Yeah. So do I, Oh man, we should put a plan together. And you know, everybody always says that, you know, Hey man, yeah, we ought to plan a hunt sometime. And you know, I've got some I've got some good spots in Colorado or I've got some good spots over here. We got to put a plan together. And, you know, somebody tells me that, you know, I'm calling them the next week saying, you ready to do this? And they're like, you know, holy crap, you weren't joking. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Kyle was one of those dudes that said, yeah, man, if you ever want to come hunt Colorado, let's do it. And, and, you know, on the spot, I said, well, let's do it next year. Let's make a plan right now. And so, you know, saw the opportunities for over the counter tags and, when I wasn't drawn in Wyoming and we started hunting Colorado together on some, some pretty gnarly high country backpack hunts up at, you know, 12,000 feet and, and learned a lot from him on those hunts and just got to be, got to be better at it and, and really got a huge passion for it. You know, I was already a mule deer fanatic, but, but man, after everybody's a mule deer and elk guy until they kill something big of, of the other species and, you know, killed my biggest bull in 2017. And, and that was, that was it for me. I was like, oh man, <laughs> now I have to be a mule deer guy, a elk guy and an antelope guy. <laughs> mm, I love it, man. And you're not going to brag, but you were, you hit a cover of a magazine maybe more than once, but, uh, I know I saw, uh, you on the cover of, uh, gosh, uh, Chris Denham's magazine, Western Hunter. Yeah. 2017, you know, Ryan contacted me at Hatfield and and was super awesome about that and asked if, uh, you know, I'd be interested in writing an article and, and, uh, wrote an article and I'm, I'm glad that we put in the time, you know, all the way from the preseason, you know, it's just one of those hunts. You really have a feeling something, something great is going to go down. And so you're planning your pictures and, and everything. And I take pictures of everything, regardless of everything I'm doing, but we just got, you know, some really good photography that spent some, some time, really getting good pictures for that had a great story behind it how it all came down was just just really unbelievable and submitted the article and when we were at the western hunting conservation expo we were about half buzzed uh trent williams buddy of mine he was he'd been on the cover of western hunter and he was at our booth shednecks booth that year um in 2018 he said hey man let's go let's go find ryan over in the western hunter booth and and really press him for this cover <laughs> and that's that was never really my thing and i was like well after a couple of PBRs, I'm like, yeah, let's go shake him down. And so we, we went and talked to him about it and, and, uh, and yeah, it was awesome, man. The way the whole thing came together and, and you know, I'm going to sound like a, sound like a puss here, but when, when Ryan finally, you know, sent me a copy of that magazine, I got to see it all in print, see how he put all the pictures and wrote the story and saw it all come together, man. It brought a tear to my eye. It was just, just absolutely amazing to relive my own, own experience. So yeah hunt of a lifetime bull of a lifetime don't know if i'll ever beat that one but it uh it was a giant and it was it's a beautiful bull and a cool story so i'll see if i can find a link to it and post it in the show description for everybody listening and um while we're talking about plugs uh your instagram is at 307 horn hunter i just pulled it up so i didn't uh, butcher it and then you have another hustle that i want to talk about that uh Oh, Hunt Planner. Is that what it's called? Okay, I did my homework. Hunt Planner. And there's a lot of folks that drew Wyoming and maybe have a general uh, 
I hate announcing when I have tags in states, but I'm going to say it. I have one too. I have a general Wyoming. Yes. Uh, I'm stoked. And, um, Wyoming's a good, good state for elk. It is. It's, uh, it's not overlooked. People know that it's good. Just like Montana is not overlooked. They have a generous season. Um, other states that are overlooked, uh, I could say Colorado's not overlooked. I think it's, uh, fortunate for me, it's a long drive to Colorado. So it's never on my radar. Um, I'd be driving past Oregon, which is overlooked. There's a ton of elk. Uh, Idaho's got quite a few elk left still. And um, in Montana. So I don't make it much past Wyoming unless I draw a Southwest tag, which I'm always vying for a New Mexico tag or an Arizona tag. And those are hard to come by. And Mama Bear doesn't want me buying landowner tags. Um, and honestly... It's not really my style. I mean, I got nothing against it. I would definitely do it if I could find one that I could afford, but it's just, it doesn't line up with my, my life goals right now. So, uh, what it, what is hunt planner for the schmucks like me who drew Wyoming and maybe have never been, and they know it's good, but, uh, they're a little intimidated by all the work in front of them. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, I don't know for those guys that are familiar with Cody Draper, um, you know, he's over in Idaho, just an absolute killer. One of the most consistent hunters that I've ever met, you know, got to be friends with him through social media, same kind of networking met, met you and everybody else. But, um, Cody actually kind of hatched this plan. Um, something that all of us have kind of talked about for years, but you know, there's hunt, hunt consulting services out there. You know, you have Epic Outdoors, you have, um, you have go hunt for the DIY research guys like that hunting fool. Um, all those guys provide an awesome service. Um, but when it comes down to, you know, when people don't want a guided hunt, they want to, whether they burn their points or not, or whether they just are too far away to scout it, they don't know how to research it. Maybe they're, they're new to hunting. Maybe they're not new to hunting. And that's just, you know, a, a huge priority to them to make sure that they've done everything they can to be successful. It, it's kind of two classes of people, guys that don't know, or three classes of people, guys that don't know, and, and need the information guys that don't want to do a guided hunt. And for two different reasons, I kind of fall into both of those. I either can't afford it or I don't want to be guided. You know, I don't want a guided experience. That's not my thing. Even if I could afford it, I wouldn't want to do it. I've, I've been on a guided hunt before and it was awkward and it was weird. And I don't like feeling like a client and then it's just, you know, I didn't get the satisfaction out of that. So, you know, whether you draw burn a bunch of points on a tag, whether it's, you know, a couple points on a general tag, um, or you're burning, you know, max points. I just, you know, booked a guy in your hunt planner for Wyoming for max points elk this year. And he's, you know, he's from Washington. He, uh, he's like, holy crap, man, you know, how am I going to make, make this the best that it possibly can be? I want some help on both levels. He wanted some help before the draw, trying to select an area, very important decision with max points. Um, so based on his objectives, helped him, you know, sift through all the crap and, and figure out what he wanted to put in for based on his objectives, helped him pull the tag. And then now that he's got it, you know, he, he basically want Intel. Everybody wants solid Intel that they can rely on and that you're getting what you pay for. So, you know, everybody can call game and fish biologists, call the wardens and all that stuff. But, you know, at the end of the day, you're, everybody's being fed the same information, and I think we've all been victim of that, whether you're relying on, on somebody to 
tell you, you know, go to this drainage or go to this drainage or this is this holds elk or whatever. I think we've all relied on that before thinking it sounds legit. And it turns out, you know, there's 15 other guys there. There's no elk there. And you're just like, well, that was a complete waste of time. We put all our eggs in one basket. You know, I wish there was something else in between. So, you know, that's kind of where Hunt Planner came. We have uh, Idaho rep, uh, Colorado rep, New Mexico, Montana, and Wyoming, uh, and Alaska too. And basically providing turnkey DIY hunt planning with every single detail that the client wants about their area and helping narrow down where to go, how to do it, what tag to put in for, and, you know, basically where they need to be on, on day one. So it's a great service. It's actually something that, you know, I would probably pay for if as soon as I get to burning my points in other states, um, you want to know that you have good solid intel that's not being fed to somebody else and, and that you have done everything that you can. And like I've told my clients, it's everything that I would possibly put together, all the research that I would do if I had the tag, because I care so much about it. I care so much about being successful. It's that high of a priority to me. I'm willing to throw some money at it but not, you know, enough money to get an outfitted tag or, or like you said, a, a landowner voucher where it's all cut out for you. But so it's information. Um, the general uh, elk thing is a great example. Even if it's not a limited quota unit, Wyoming's got, I think, 51 general elk units. You know, that's an overwhelming task for somebody to look through. And you know, the guys that I booked, you know, last year, the first ones I booked for Hunt Planner, they came and they were like, you know, we burned, you know, two or three elk points on, on a general tag. And we had planned on this being our only hunt for the year. We partied up on a, you know, really hard to draw Montana tag. At the same time, these guys were from Montana. They're savvy elk hunters. And they were like, now we have to put all of our focus in Montana. Who's going to do all this research for us for Wyoming? And who's going to help us pick an area? And who's going to help us figure out where to go within that area? So, you know, that's where I come in. So, Okay, let me play devil's advocate. Um, how do, how much is this service? What am I getting? And then how do I know you're not giving someone else the same information that paid you as well? Yeah, absolutely. So I've structured the prices, you know, that's the cool thing with Cody gives us leverage to do whatever we want. And, and, you know, my prices, I have 10 different, uh, hunt planner packages. You know, it's basically, a a premium and a discounted for each different species. Also have antlerless ones, everything you could possibly draw a tag for in Wyoming, basically. Um, and I've structured them to be about 30 to 40% of what a guided hunt would be. So it's an in-between in there. What you're getting for that information or what you're getting for that cost is me personally, we're new at this and I won't book anybody, uh, double book anybody in an area. So if, if you, you know, this, this guy that I have this year, um, that book max points, you know, that's his area for the year. There's not going to be anybody else. If somebody else wants to book a hunt planner for that, it's, it's, you know, tough cookie. So there is no overlap with that. There's no double booking with any of that. Most of these guys are, are from out of state and they're never going to come back here and, and hunt again. But all this stuff is rolled up over the course of weeks after they draw into a, a glossy page, you know, booklet that's personalized just for them. It's almost like a, like a, uh, mini magazine. So it's got everything about their unit. It's got uh, Google Earth maps about everything you can see sample booklets on huntplanner.com. It's got um, all the trails marked, all the access points, directions from their hometown all the way to, you know, the trailhead where they, 
we're going to put them for plan A. It's got plan B contingencies, plan C contingencies, plan D contingencies, however many we need to lay out. Everything about the herd with the unit um, stuff, you know, antelope, for example, guys want to see some stuff that aren't super experienced with how to field judge antelope. I've got stuff in there um, about that. Everything from where's the closest town where you can get fuel, all the gas stations marked with their addresses, where's uh, the meat processor you want to you, you want to do to use in that town, you know, where are the closest hotels, what are the emergency phone numbers, what's the game warden's phone number, should you do anything, everything that you could possibly need to know where all you have to do is show up and, and you know, basically follow the playbook. So it's, it's an awesome service. Um, it's, I think it's a great thing and nobody else offers it. So it's helped a lot of people and hopefully would continue to help a lot of people be more successful. So. Wow, that's cool. Good for you. It seems like a ton of work on your end. Yeah. But it also is your passion. So I like your side hustles, man. And then you're a shed hunter too. <laughs> yeah, I've got way too many freaking hobbies. And I'm not that I am the best at any of them, but I try to be. And that's the problem. So, um, yeah, love shed hunting. It's it's given us some, uh, you know, it helps fuel the the social media stuff that we have going on. Helps you know, push the apparel and all the stuff with the pictures, but you know, it, it gives us some, some really good information off the of units. We try to spread our, our hikes around to different places and you know, the networking that we have with other shed hunters and stuff and also being antler buyers, we're able to kind of keep track of, you know, what kind of bulls are coming out of each unit each winter and what kind of top end survived and forces you to be out in the field and, and uh, get to know the herd. So it's been a good tool, man. I can see that working in your favor for a hunt planner big time. Yeah, absolutely. Just to kind of figure out age classes, who made her, and uh, bull densities, and potentially even bull-to-cow ratios, which almost every unit in Wyoming that's limited quota has ridiculous bull-to-cow ratio. We have a lot of elk. <laughs> yeah, you guys are doing good. Well, we're going to get into elk hunting a little bit. And then um, we'll do some overdrive. I'll explain that to you listeners. That's something new. We'll talk about that when we get there. But let's just go ahead and open it up right now with like, man, when did you first start elk hunting? Um, you know, exposure to elk hunting, I would say as, as a kid, uh, my dad was a pretty uh, passionate elk hunter. Um, you know, when I got old enough to actually hike around, he, he really started getting serious about bow hunting elk. Um, I remember... You know, I think I was nine years old. One of my fondest memories and kind of my first exposure to it. Uh, he took me elk hunting. We went up and stayed in camper uh, and went out that next morning. And, you know, I was nine years old trying to keep up with him on the trail and, and him yelling at me to be quiet and be patient. And, and we got like, shoot, I bet a mile away from the camper. And, and it's in some bomber elk country in one of the better better places in Wyoming. And and he, I don't can't remember, he forgot his release, forgot his camera, forgot, he forgot something. And he said, you know, it was just getting daylight. He said, shoot, I forgot that. I'm going to run back there. And he didn't want me slowing him down. So he had me just sit there, left his bow with me, had me just sit there and wait. And he said, just be quiet. Don't move and absolutely don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. And so he went down all the way back to the camper. And I remember thinking, <laughs> I was sitting here with his bow you know, I'm a nine-year-old kid, <laughs> 73-pound PSE, and I remember, like, trying to do everything, not get in trouble. I'm like, you know, what's going to happen if, like, some elk come? Like, is my dad going to get mad at me for, like, not trying to, like, do something with this bow? And, like, should I drop back with my feet? Or 
something that I just remember sitting there with this, like hoping nothing comes by so I wouldn't get in trouble. And, and while he was gone, man, there was a, I remember it vividly. There was a, uh, you know, like a 320, 330 in my mind now with my memory herd bull pushing nine or 10 cows that came down the ridge and he sat me right on a trail. And that's my first exposure really to elk at all up close. And those, that bull came pushing those cows right in front of me, three or four yards away me a nine-year-old kid alone in the freaking wilderness and bugling and pushing them all the way past me. And I just absolutely shit a brick. <laughs> and I was like, Oh my God, my dad's going to freaking, is he going to be mad that I, you know, what should I have done? I just sat there and was quiet and he pushed them by and my dad came back and I told him all about it. And, and he went off and chased after him and didn't end up killing that bull, but it was just, just amazing. I just remember it at that, at that point, I'm just not only just elk hunting or, but hunting in general and being in the outdoors that that stuck in my mind. And I remembered, uh, coming back at age, you know, 34, 35 and going and hunting in that exact same unit. And I actually went back up there and, and I remembered right at the exact rock that he sat me on that many years later. So hmm. pretty cool. Dad pushed me pretty hard into it. Um, didn't really get serious about elk hunting specifically, I guess, until I was in college, I would say, uh, didn't really, you know, elk hunt that much and, you know, bow hunt anyway, not through high school and anything. I actually shot, you know, competitive archery from the time I was seven or eight years old up until about high school. And it wasn't until I was in college, I kind of put two and two together and comboed the two. So kind of all my life with a short gap kind of around, uh, you know, high school and stuff was more focused on mule deer and antelope. But once I started bow hunting elk and I was back in Oh shoot, 2001, 2002, and I'm sure you guys had the same experience there before bow hunting really became a huge deal. I mean, even in a general tag, we had the whole mountain to ourselves, and I was like, geez, I have been missing out on this big time. <laughs> yeah, no it doubt. Was, it was unreal, man. I'd give anything to have that quality of experience back in general units, but it was sweet. Blessed to grown up when it was very, very good still. Wow, man, I, that's a pretty cool story to have that vivid image of the bull pushing cows right by you. And then to go back years later, nostalgia, hunting brings families closer together and especially father-son relationships. So I can totally appreciate that. Got a question for you, man. Mule deer or elk, what is greater? <laughs> uh, yes, yes, yes is the answer. Okay, that's a safe one. I don't know, man. It's... it's uh to each zone there's there's draws to both of them like i said I, you know i'm coming up here on an elk podcast and i'm an ex wouldn't say an ex mule deer fanatic but that was my thing for so many years that was that was uh by far number one to me there's there's such a a mystery about mule deer and you know the rarity of a, a big mule deer especially being in wyoming uh compared to a big bull is is something really special and those mule deer live in some, like, I like alpine mule deer. So I've, I've cut my teeth quite a bit hunting alpine mule deer. And there's just something special about hunting mule deer in, into August. Right. It's unreal, man. I don't, I don't know what the right answer is. There's, there's huge draws to both of them. And I'm, I could be incorrect on this, but I've always said, you know, look at the, look at the amount of, uh, you know, the amount of guys that consistently kill big mule deer, um, it's, they're a lot less random. I mean, you can put a plan together. It's a lot harder to be consistent with that. And, you know, there's a lot of guys that get very, very lucky on elk 
with very little experience or know-how or, or any kind of game plan. Um, and it's just, it, elk are so much more random to me in the type of area that we hunt. And mule deer is, is, is so special because you can, you can literally see your, your, uh, you know, your success be better the, the more that you learn about them. Same with the same thing with elk too, but you, elk is, as you know, there's so many times you try to put a plan together and it just never works. You know, one out of every 10 plans actually comes together and mule deer, if you really know what you're doing and it just seems like you can, you can play chess with them and, and outsmart them a lot easier and just some of the terrain that they live in, be able to see them a lot easier. I don't, I don't do a whole lot of high country, you know, d- deep timber kind of mule deer hunting and a lot of stuff is out in the open. So gets me my fix when I want to spend hours all day glassing and everything. And, but I, I definitely love both. Mm, yeah. Well, the, here's the deal without bottom line is <sighs> they bugle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then the other thing is, is I shoot one bull. My freezer's looking pretty good, you know, but, Everything else you said, I totally get, and I got love for both, and I hunt both every year, so it's all good. But man, like, how do you balance hunting time with your significant other? Um, guys will say, "Well, I go hunting with my girlfriend or whatever," and that's cool, but I don't get it. Like, I would not want to hunt with my wife. I, I would go, but I would feel like it's not the same as me going solo. So, how do you balance it? You don't have kids, but how do you balance that little portfolio? I'm probably not the best person to ask. I have a portfolio of, of unhappy ex-girlfriends, but <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's my portfolio. Um, no, I've, I've changed some things in the past year with, with my current girlfriend and Kylie and she's been awesome. And, and, you know, the stuff that I had going on with work allowed me to spend a little extra time with her and try to make up for it in the off season. And I've never, I've never had that experience of, of, of hunting, you know, with somebody and, and, uh, it's, I don't know, man, it's, I'm probably not the best person to ask. I probably wouldn't be good at balancing it if I had, you know, a wife and kids and and the whole family thing. Uh, but it's, it's just, my priorities are different. So, but making up for time in the off season, um, I'll tell you what the, the Garmin freaking in reach, that's a game changer for, uh, anybody that has a significant other or wife at home, just, being able to let somebody know that you're, you're out there and that you're haven't disappeared. So that's always a good thing. It's mm. probably a lot harder for guys who didn't have that technology, but you know, keeping, keeping in touch with somebody and trying to balance it in the off season. That's, that's best I can, I can answer. Well, dude, um, this is my last question for this podcast, but I say this all the time. Separation is in the preparation. We're looking at June just cracked wide open. I usually hit the panic button about this time of year because I still have one more little quick two-day bear bender. I'm trying to shoot my second bear. Yeah. I can finally get into this one basin that I, that's been blocked by snow, so I save it for my last hunt, and I'm going to hit that Wednesday. But after that, man, it's like I got – Elk Shape Camp, I got Ryan Lampers' Summit in Montana I'm helping out with, and then I have all these family trips planned, Um, and then I have another Elk Shape Camp. Oh, and I have all these deliverables that I need to get done (laughs) for companies that I work for, basically, or work with, and I got to pump out enough content to be delivering that while I'm gone forever. Right. So I personally hit 
the panic button and I got to do some serious master e scouting. Yeah, that's so, right. Oh, and and be a good dad by the way and a great husband. So like, bro, I feel the pressure already. And there's a lot of guys that don't even know what I'm talking about. They just pick their bow up out of the bow case the day before the season and maybe they'll get it done, but we hunt differently. And I leverage elk hunting. It's literally what fires me up. I jump out of bed every day because I'm an elk hunter. So where are you at, bro? What do we got to do to get you ready for elk season 2020? It is June. Take us through. This is a kind of a, a big question, but like, I really want to finish the podcast with giving people ideas on things they need to do from shooting, gear, training, et cetera, scouting. Go. I, I just, you know, I kind of wait until July um, to really start hitting it hard. Um, you know, just the way the structure is with the tag results at least allows you to do that. I honestly think I'd be a, a nervous wreck if, if all the draw results had already come out, you know, two months ago. And thank God elk antlers aren't aren't full grown yet or else I would be a, a complete disaster. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> it's, it's all structured to allow us to still have some sort of a life. So thank God they're not grown. But no, um, you know, I usually try to get everything that I can squared away gear-wise, you know, in June. Um, focus on nothing but gear, um, whether that's trucks, four-wheelers, side-by-sides, the bow, um, getting all your rifle shooting done. And that's the last thing you want to be jacking with in, in, you know, the end of August. And then as soon as we find out draw results, you know, that's going to push us one one direction or the other. You know, by by late June, pretty much everything will be out. Um, I guess being an avid shed hunter, fitness-wise, I'm definitely not a fitness buff by any, any means, but definitely want to make sure that I keep the legs in good shape and cardio in good shape and the fact that we're still shed hunting right now, making sure that I do some long heavy packs and some long hikes and keep that rolling. But uh, keeping that cardio going, keeping the legs in shape and not not sifting into summer beer drinking slumber and letting that get the best of you. But also making some time in the off season, you know, for the family and and making some time to make sure that you've you've earned the right to disappear in in September. So do what you got to do. Uh, get all your gear together. And when it comes to scouting, man, you know, I, I looked at some of your bullet points and some of the questions you kind of laid out. And, and I think, uh, this is just me personally. You know, I think as soon as draw results come out, guys need to be focusing on Intel. Um, you can't go out there and scout yet. It's not going to do you a whole lot of good, you know, right now in June, um, try to gather as much possible Intel as you can and try to get it from good sources uh, ask everybody you can. That's a beauty of social media, isn't it? You know, the amount of people, whether no matter where I was able to draw a tag in the Western States, you know, I can think for a second and kind of pinpoint what guys I know, you know, kind of command that area and, and, and always helping people out as much as they can when they want information on your state. Cause you're going to have to call on those favors, but this is my, this is my Intel gathering mode. So as soon as tags come out, before I even hit e-scouting, e I'm asking questions from everybody and their brother, and I'm probably hitting the game wardens and biologists and that stuff absolutely last. Um, asking outfitters, asking fellow hunters, asking anybody I can think on social media and, and try to figure out what within your unit, try to cross off whatever quadrant it is that you need to focus on because you can't scout at all. You can't hunt at all. You can't lay cameras on at all. You can't run every single road especially if it's out of state, <clears throat> try to 
get whatever you can with Intel right now. Um, when you can't be out there and at least try to narrow something down before you even hit the, hit the Onyx map. So that's something that's worked out really well for me. And then start planning your summer around, um, if you can scout, if you can get out there and, and start learning your unit, I kind of systematically dissect what I have. If I've done my, my Intel scouting, as I call it, and I, you know, focused on the Southeast portion of of the unit, then I'm going to go out there and start running roads and get familiar with how to access it first. Um, start marking waypoints that I want to glass from, um, and then start segmenting that area or that part of your unit into, I split it up into two different pieces, areas that I can glass that are open enough to glass. That's what all I'm going to do within that area. And then areas that I think will be good that I can't glass. And that's where I rely on the trail cameras. So those two things, um, cut your unit into a third with Intel, cut those other pieces down with, with nothing. where you're going to scout from, where you're going to glass from, and, and then make another trip back to, to really tie it all together or several trips. So that's my advice. I don't know if that's helpful at all, but it's worked out very well for me. I think a lot of guys are so proud and want to figure out everything themselves and, and, uh, rely on people that have figured that out for you. I definitely think you should leverage your relationships. And I think you said it real well there. And I, it's going to slip by a few people, but I'm not going to let it. You know, you answer the phone when people call you because you know that's going to pay down the road. It's like an investment. You're like, okay, I'm going to give this guy some good intel and it's going to come back my way when I have a tag in his state. I think that's huge, man. And honestly, if people can just remember that their success will not get in the way of your success. If I could just have every guy I run into in North Idaho when I'm hunting just understand that, I would. I mean, I've seriously had some real negative run-ins with you know people that just don't, they own the woods. And I just try to have the attitude of no one's success is going to get in the way of my success. Not and uh, when you're helpful like that, that's huge. Okay, guys, Overdrive. So this is kind of a big announcement. I wanted to do it super special, but it looks like we're doing it with you, Ben. So the rest of this podcast is going to be found at theelkcollective.com. Dirk Durham, Jason Phelps, John Gabriel, and myself have created The Elk Collective. This is launching July 1st. This is going to be your one-stop resource for all elk hunting and so the back half of my podcast are going to migrate over there so we're going to call it overdrive i'm going to ask all the guests the same questions and we're going to get their take on these elk hunting specific questions it doesn't mean that this podcast is going to get all of a sudden crappy we're going to keep crushing and bringing on awesome guests but when i have a badass elk hunter like ben on the podcast i'm going to move them the, the back half over to the Elk Collective. The Elk Collective is going to be primary video driven. We have a ton of content we've created throughout the year and we're excited to bring it to you and we're going to bring on several different hunters because Ben, I'll be honest, from what I've seen out there in the market now, there's not very many digital resources on elk hunting knowledge. It's usually just one guy's way and we figured there's more power in a collective and there's about 500 different ways to kill an elk. So let's bring everybody on. So we're going to take this podcast and we're going to finish it over on the Elk Collective. Again, we'll bring all the founders on this podcast and talk about this more. But uh, we got to wrap this one up, Ben. So where can people find you on socials and your websites? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, social media on Instagram. So at Shednecks 
um, is is your source for everything on our company. That also we have the Get Western brand, um, something for big game hunters, you know, all throughout the West. Um, at 307 Horn Hunter is my personal Instagram, and then at Hunt Planner is uh, is our Hunt Planner services that we offer. Huntplanner.com, Shednex.com are the two websites that that uh, we parent, and uh, just can't thank you enough, Dan, for for letting us be a part of this, man. It's awesome. Very excited about what you guys got coming. Thanks, man. Cool. Guys, we will catch you on the next one. We're about to go into overdrive. Okay, guys. So, yeah, that was a little bit of a cliffhanger. We're going to continue on the podcast uh, over at theelkcollective.com. This one will be found over there. It launches July 1st. You can get signed up to not- be notified of when we go live. Uh, just head over to theelkcollective.com. It is not one person doing the Elk Collective. It is a group of elk hunters that believe in the power of a collective and that you can get better at elk hunting by learning from lots of different subject matter experts. And there's lots of different places to hunt elk. And there's a lot of different styles. I've experienced it here in North Idaho. What I do in North Idaho is about night and day from what I'll be doing in Wyoming this year. Same within Montana. And so same in other parts of Idaho and Southern Idaho and there's Central Idaho. There's just different tactics for different elk, whether it be open country, high desert, timber, just depends on where you're hunting elk, different tactics for different pressure for different elk. If there's wolves in the mix, if there's lots of hunter access, uh, backcountry, base camp, bivy style, spike, whatever your style is, you need to know the best practices. So we put this together. I'm super excited. It is digital education in the name of elk hunting. Can't wait to launch. We're going to bring the boys on for a special podcast where we'll talk about why we set this project up that is coming down the pipeline. And so learn more by going there and looking forward to that launch in. You guys keep working hard towards your goals and uh, we will catch you on the next one. Separation is in the preparation.